Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. Well, we have come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is going to wrap this sermon up with some pretty cutting language, uh, making a division between his hearers. There are two choices and only two choices. He's going to say it several different ways with several different images, but um, there's no waffling at the end of the sermon. You can't kind of take the middle road. It's you're in or you're out. Yeah, and I love the teaching of Jesus because he always he presents his material, his parables, or his teaching And then he sets it right in your lap and says, okay, make your decision. What are you going to do with this? And I don't think that's the type of teaching we see a lot of times in churches today. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Jesus is obviously somebody who taught with a lot of authority and a lot of conviction and expected a lot out of those who were listening to him. And we don't want to sugarcoat that as we go through the pod today. And so um, if we sound firm in our teaching, it's because Jesus' teaching is firm here. And um, it, it's a serious life decision. You have two options in life. You can either choose this or you can choose this. And as Stephen said, we'll see four examples of that as we go yeah. throughout the rest of the sermon today. And, and Jesus has already touched on this back in chapter 6 where he said, No man can serve two masters. Um, we may try to take a middle road or have a little of this and a little of that. And he says, But really, one of them's going to win out in the end. You're mm-hmm. going to love one and hate the other. You can't, these paths are diverging. Yeah, exactly. You can try to straddle the fence for a little while, but at the end of the day, the one that you love the most is going to win out. And so make your decision is uh, how he's going to conclude this. Um, We'll read this in kind of four chunks um, at the end of the sermon. Uh, Matthew 7 will begin with verses 13 and 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So that's a pretty um, scary first one, isn't it? Uh, Is it that he's making the point that a lot of people are going to choose the right way? Or is he saying there's going to be a lot of people who choose the wrong way? I think it's obvious it's the wrong way that most people are going to choose. It's going to be very few who find the the correct way. And that's really important to recognize that Jesus realizes and says in his teaching that the majority of people are going to reject this. It's, It's many versus the few. And sometimes people are really turned off when something is not accepted by the majority. They say, well, if... So many people, how could so many people be wrong? And that, that is concerning, but Jesus said it would be that way. Um, in fact, there are times where he says, you know, if everyone's speaking well of you, you should be concerned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's, yeah. <laughs> you're, this is not going to be popular. It's not going to be the majority report. Um, we have to be prepared to stand with the few and to stand against the many if we're going to be followers of Jesus. And Jesus describes both the gates and the roads associated with those gates in this passage. There is a narrow gate 
and a wide gate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just obviously, there's more people that can go through a, a wide gate. And he says that the way is also easy. Yeah, I like the ESV's translation of that, especially. It it, it has an easy way to go about it. You're, mm-hmm. It's really easy to swim downstream, isn't it? Because that's the way the current's going. And it's going to be a lot easier in some ways because of that. Mm-hmm. And so everything about the... the the broad gate looks appealing mm-hmm. and is simple. It's straightforward. Uh, hey, this path is a whole lot easier to walk on. Um, the gate is nice and wide. Everyone else is going. And everyone else is going. Yeah. Like, this is just, it's the no-brainer. Like, right. uh, this, this should be fine. And Jesus says, everything about it looks great until you realize where that gate leads to. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the main thing about roads, right? Is you can't take a road without arriving where that road leads there's so many people who want to take an easy road to a good place and jesus says that's not the way it works if you want to get to the good place you have to choose the harder road and so he says about the narrow road. he says the way is hard but it leads to life Mm -hmm. and uh, those who find it are few you know it's it's you're not going to have as much company on that road as you're going to have if you go with the Broadway. And that's just so important uh, because we're social creatures. We really want to go the way other people around us are going. Uh, That's our nature. And Jesus is saying, you've got to be prepared to stand with the minority. You've got to have a strong backbone and you got to get your hiking boots on (laughs) because this is not an easy path. Um, And that's important. If, If we, if you come away with anything from the Sermon on the Mount, is that Jesus is not sugarcoating kingdom life. Yeah. This is a hard road, but it is the blessed road. Right. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the persecuted, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The New King James Version says there that the gate is small and the way is difficult that leads to life. And I also like that translation of it as well. It's not going to be an easy way. or It's actually going to be difficult on your way in. And there's going to be a lot of obstacles on the way. But the reward is so worth it in the end. And I just appreciate how upfront Jesus is about this. And so I hope everyone sees that. But also, as we talk with others about Christianity, I think it's important to be upfront with people as they're considering to sign up and be a member of the Lord's church. You know, they got to recognize and understand this is going to be a difficult road. It's not a path to easiness. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many false gospels out there false messages that preach you can go an easy you know majority driven way and still end up at life and jesus is about to warn beware of false prophets because Mm -hmm. this is what false prophets want to tell you because it's popular you don't have to choose you can have the easy way and the good destination and that's simply not the case Uh, if we want to go and enter into life what jesus says here We've got to be ready to, to go the hard uh, the hard road, you know, the narrow gate, um, because that's where we want to be. And again, Jesus doesn't focus so much on it here. There's a lot of negative motivation at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But when we think about entering into life, it is so much more than worth it mm-hmm. that it's, you know, Paul describes that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared yeah. with the glory that awaits those who love the Lord. And um, it's a lot harder when we're looking at the paths, but we need to raise our heads and look at the destination and say, you know what? 
it's not worth it to take the, the easy path. It's worth it to take the hard road. On the grand scheme of eternity, we are just a mere little dot. And you can either choose to live that dot in a way that pleases God so you can have all of eternity, or you can choose to serve yourself on the little dot and lose out on all of eternity. Just looking at it from that perspective, it's, it's easy to see what our option or what our choice should be. But Jesus says living that way is going to be difficult. And uh, like Stephen said, in this next section, there's going to be a lot of people trying to convince you otherwise and trying to get you to go astray. And so we got to beware of those people. So let's go ahead and read that. I'm going to read verses 15 through 20. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Jesus loves using agricultural references, Mm -hmm. and uh, this is another example and I mean, it's just, you don't gather apples from an orange tree, you know, right. you uh, recognize a tree by the kind of fruit that it bears and bearing fruit is, this will be a rich image throughout the gospels, throughout the new Testament. It's the result of your life. It's the way that you live. Um, later in Galatians, Paul will write about the fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. love, joy, peace, patience. These are the qualities produced by a life that is planted in God. And so he says, don't just look at their outward appearance. False prophets are going to dress in sheep's clothing. Yeah, isn't this an interesting image? Um, You have this sheep who has the appearance of a sheep, but on the inside, they're actually this wolf. They've just clothed themselves with with the, you know, and there's a lot of fairy tales that kind of have this idea in it as well. But um, that's exactly who Jesus is describing here. And what's scary about that, and his whole point is, is they might blend in. You might not know who they are um, until you test their fruit, until you identify from what they're doing, whether or not they're legit or not. That's right. And it's so important to remember that Satan is the master con artist. He is going to try to dress up false teaching in as attractive a presentation as possible. Yeah. It's going to sound like the Word of God. It's going to sound like, oh, this is compassionate. This is good. This is beautiful. But when you look at the fruit, at the conclusion, it's like, but that's not what Jesus said. And it often happens so subtly, too. It's never just a false prophet coming in and saying, hey, by the way, I'm a false teacher. I don't have the truth, (laughs) but I'm going to make you think that I do. It, it happens over a sometimes a long period of time and they get invested with you emotionally and, and they get invested with you in social ways and then they start to creep in and start teaching false doctrine. And so that's why Jesus describes them here as these sheep in wool's clothing. Mm-hmm. And so there are some things that we can look at to identify that they're false teachers. Look at the bad fruit, if you will. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, many false teachers, there's a pride and arrogance about them. Now, again, they might not be teaching anything outright false at the moment, but if they have that pride and arrogant heart about them, it could be an indicator that they have some bad ulterior ulterior motives. Um, When they're gossiping, slandering others, and trying to undermine others in a a church or in a group of people, 
when they're lying about, oh, I didn't really say that, but they actually had, and stumbling over what they've said, or or just sheer ignorance sometimes is a bad is uh, some bad fruit of a false teacher. But these are all things we need to look out for to try and identify this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note that it, I think it is possible for someone to be a false teacher without realizing it. Um, I think there are some false teachers out there who are bad and they know it. They're putting on a show. They're just trying to take advantage of people. That's apparent in, in different uh, different people. But there are others who have been led astray themselves and are now leading others astray. And, and they're sincere about it. Like they really are trying. They're doing what they think is right. Um, I'm, I think about Saul of Tarsus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was a, a false teacher, if you will, and a persecutor of the church. And he was doing that in good conscience. Mm-hmm. Like he really thought that Jesus was false yeah. and I should do everything I can do to bring Christianity down and put these people in prison. And when he learned better, he turned right around mm-hmm. and uh, did what was actually right. And so it's important to recognize this, even in ourselves, um, that we all have to have the humility to look at the fruit of others and the, our own fruit and say like, what? Am I doing what Jesus wants me to do? Um, in the next section, just a minute, we'll see that a lot of people are in for a very nasty surprise on the Day of Judgment. I even think about Apollos in Acts the 18th chapter, somebody who was teaching what was false. The baptism of John was no longer relevant because Jesus had come and he had died. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he obviously had a humble heart about him and was willing to change his perspective on things because Priscilla and Aquila pulled him aside and showed him the way of God more accurately. It's at the end of Acts 18. But it was ignorance is what it was. But he was willing to be corrected. Yes. And that is the huge thing here is that with any of these analogies that Jesus uses, it's not necessarily final. Uh, If you are on the broad path, you can get on the narrow path. Um, If you are bearing bad fruit, you can... Start bearing good fruit. Right. Um, if you are a wolf in sheep's clothing, you can actually become a sheep. <laughs> like it, None of these are set things. And one of the things Jesus is saying is you get to choose what you're going to be. And that is one of the amazing things about God is God is all-powerful, could do anything he wants, but he gives us the power of choice. Human free will. That is so sobering to think about is that God's not going to force me to change, but he he puts two choices before us and says, what's it going to be? So as we think about these choices, uh, let's read the next uh, section here, uh, verses 21 through 23 of Matthew 7. Jesus said, "Not not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Man, it's like with each section we're going through, it's getting scarier and scarier what the two options are. And here he describes to us that There are people who can be claiming to be followers of Jesus, you know, saying, Lord, Lord, but still be lost in the end. And so obviously 
we don't want to find ourselves in that camp. And it's so impressive to me too. Some of these people who are saying, Lord, Lord, he tells us that they were prophesying in his name, casting out demons, performing miracles, but they still didn't know who Jesus was. And as a result, he says, I don't know you. That's scary. It is. And the scary thing is, is these people seem to be convinced Mm -hmm. that they were good. Like they really thought they were serving Jesus and doing good things for him. And the difference is in verse 21. It's the difference between what people say and what people do. Mm -hmm. And we have all sorts of phrases to describe this. You know, practice what you preach. Yeah. Um, You know, Jesus is really big on action. He knows that it's easy to talk a good game and then do something completely different when you're actually living your life. Same thing with bearing fruit. Um, Your words are not necessarily all your fruit. You can say all the right things, but when you look at someone's actions, when you look at the direction and the outcome of their life, you're going to find out um, what they're really made of. And and at the end of this, he'll say, uh, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That these people were bearing bad fruit in their life. They they were doing some outward good things. They were prophesying and doing you know some things in Jesus' name, but simultaneously they were ignoring what Jesus said, and their actions betrayed their words. Yeah, and I, another way I've heard this put is that there was confession, but there was no repentance and true following of Jesus Christ. And confession is important. And I don't, when I say confession, I don't just mean confessing our sins. That, that's part of it. But there's another word that's sometimes translated in some of the older translations called profession, where we profess Christ and we say we follow him. And those are all good biblical ideas that different parts of scripture talk about. But it's got to go further than that. You can't just profess him. You have to live him. You have to walk in his footsteps. That's the extra step you have to go through that is often missed. Yeah. And this brings into laser focus the supreme importance of knowing what God's will is. In verse 21, he says, The one who's going to enter the kingdom is the one who does the will Mm -hmm. of my father who is in heaven. And Jesus will say over and over again through his teachings, I've come to do the will of my father. I've come to share with you the word that the father gave to me, especially in the gospel of John. It just really emphasizes that throughout the book. And it's one reason that we want to get the word out, uh, you know, with this podcast and other things is so many people listen to people who say, I love Jesus doing good things, but they don't look at the will of God revealed in the Bible and that's what's going to judge us at the last day. It's not what our preacher says or what our neighbor says or what our family or our friends say. It's what the Father said through the Son. And there's going to be a lot of people who talked a lot of Jesus and aren't going to enter the kingdom. And so for us, it's so critical that each of us pick up our Bible and say, what is the will of the Father? Mm-hmm. And test each other and say, hey, you're teaching that thing and you're saying a lot of Jesus stuff but show me the book, show me, back it up, show me in scripture where it is and make sure we use the scripture rightly. You can use scripture to say a lot of things. Satan used scripture too uh, when he tempted Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Just because you got book behind it doesn't mean you're using it right. But um, we want to be doers of the will of the Father. Yeah, amen. You know, Jesus to a degree has already addressed this attitude of people who follow him but aren't doing the right thing. Um, back when he was talking about those who are hypocrites. Um, that's religious actors is the way we, we titled that podcast. 
There's somebody who's claiming to follow God, and they're even outwardly doing the right things, but inwardly they are just a mess. That is what a hypocrite is, and hypocrites don't fly uh, in, in the kingdom of God. And the Sunday Christian doesn't work with Christ either, where we just come in on Sunday and we just kind of do our thing and we're all good on Sunday, but the rest of the week we don't follow Jesus. No, that's not how it works whatsoever. We have to be completely, totally in. And this is another section where Jesus is saying, make your decision. What are you going to do? Well, and it gets us to our last uh, section here. Chase, you want to read that for us? Yeah, sure. Verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Man, I mean, you talk about ways to end a sermon. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even explain it. The fall yeah, of, he just ends yep. on this example, which is so cool. I, I don't, and whenever I'm doing teaching and preaching, I don't always end with an example. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But this is this is just kind of the nail in the coffin on the sermon. It's 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 powerful to think about what it would have been like to be there in Galilee on that day yeah. on that mountainside, and Jesus. I don't know what he does. You know, great was the fall of it, and he's just like walk off or like i don't know what the rest of the conversation was but they're marveling we'll talk about that in a second yeah but i mean it's hard to read this section at least for me and not like hear the kids song in your head. oh yeah wise man built his house upon the rock yeah it's such um, a good principle though to be teaching our children yes that you have two choices and your decisions and how you live your life you're building a foundation um yes. is, is the idea there and it doesn't happen in a day um building is something that happens over a long period of time and how we build now will affect our future. And ultimately, it will affect our eternity. I love to point out the similarities and differences between the two different types of uh, houses here. Some of the similarities is, number one, both men have heard the words of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine. And same thing in verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. Both men have listened to the words of Jesus Christ. They know what he said. It also tells us that both men built a house. Both of them have done that. And both men experienced the same exact storm. Mm-hmm. That's important to see. Whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, there are going to be storms of life that come banging on your door and trying to mess you up. It doesn't matter which side you're on. That is going to happen. But the difference is in, A, the wise man acted on the words of, the Christ, of Christ, but the fool didn't. And the wise man built his house on the rock, but the foolish man built his house on the sand. And it's a lot harder work to dig down to a stone foundation. Like yeah. That's a lot harder to do than to build on sand, which is soft and easy to, to build on. But his point here is looking at the two houses on the surface level. They would probably have looked the same. They look like a house. It's like, yeah, yeah. there's a house and there's another house. It's right. Nice, you know. But the thing that reveals what the house is built on is the storm. Mm-hmm. And really, that's true in life, is we don't really find out what we're made of until things get hard. And that's when you find out uh, if people turn on the Lord or if they don't, uh, where our faith is really at. And again, storms don't mean it's over. 
usually, generally speaking, um, there's opportunity to learn from storms. Oh, wow, wow, I thought I was stronger than that. And it turns out I'm not. But Jesus is saying, I mean, life is going to reveal your heart. It's going to show what foundation you've been building on all this time. And uh, this isn't just a story for kids. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a sobering conclusion to a sobering sermon of where am I building my life? Because I'm building it one way or another. I am either building it on the sand by listening to the Bible, listening to Jesus, doing all the religious stuff, but not actually applying it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm doing the hard work of living it out and digging deep and founding my life on Jesus Christ, on the rock. And the storm will reveal that too mm-hmm. and say, yeah, that, that person's going through a hurricane and they are not budging because they've built their life on Jesus. Yeah. And I like, again, we, we already touched on this, but the way he ends the foolish man's house in verse 27, the, the rain fell, floods came, winds blew, slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. This was no mere pictures that just fall off the wall on the inside of the house or, you know, a couple glass windows, you know, are broken. This house falls all together. It's devastated. It's absolutely crushed. And it's because they took a shortcut. It's because they were not trying to build firmly on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what that song goes on to talk about, that kid's song. Um, we, We have got to learn to completely dig deep and root ourselves as firmly as we can in Jesus Christ. And if you're overwhelmed by that, and you're asking, how can I do that? Let me encourage you to go back to chapter 5 and start reading again. Ground yourselves in these principles and live them out that Jesus has been talking about so far. Don't just hear, but act on them. Make a list. How are you going to apply this in your life? Are there some things you need to cut out? Are there people you need to stop surrounding yourself with? And are there people that you need to start surrounding yourself with? Make a concrete plan on how you can make your foundation firm in Jesus Christ. Don't be wishy-washy. Yeah, amen. And so these words of Jesus, they are stark. Um, There's two gates, two paths. You either got good fruit or bad fruit. There's people who say one thing, then there's people who actually do it. Mm-hmm. There's two foundations. Over and over again, Jesus is saying, it is one or the other. Make your decision. And there's reward if you do right. Um, by God's grace, there is a stability and joy and life that comes when we choose the Lord. And there's despair and ultimately eternal destruction uh, for those who reject him. Um, And he ends on the negative here. Uh, I think it's important that we don't shy away from that. uh, And great was the fall of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how he concluded the sermon. And the people listening, I think it's just cool to read here at the end, the last uh, couple verses of Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. They were just floored at the fact that Jesus is speaking like, I mean, and what he says here, if anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, here's what he's going to be like. Like, I can't just get up in a pulpit and say that. Right. If you listen to my words, then you're going to be like this wise person. It's like, 
Jesus is teaching not like somebody's like, well, like, let me point you to the authority of the Bible. Like, here's that's what the scribes were doing, rightfully so, that here's the scripture. That's where the authority is. And Jesus is saying, I am the authority here. My words are what you need to listen to and what you need to practice. He's talking like God. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are floored by that with this sermon. And if you'd like to, we obviously encourage you to continue reading in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, you will see Jesus' miracles that attest to the fact that he is the Son of God and that he does have this authority. And I'll spoil it for you, but the end of the book of Matthew ends with Jesus not only being crucified, but raising from the dead, showing that he is clearly from God. And we need to listen to his words as a result of it. As we're also kind of wrapping up here, I want to read a quote that I started with when we started season three here. Uh, This is from Paul Earnhardt. Uh, He said, Jesus's discourse upon a Galilean mountainside is in reality no mere sermon. It more approximates a manifesto of the kingdom of God. And there is more to Jesus's teaching than this. But here we feel the very heartbeat of kingdom truth, and we will neglect it at our peril. Mm. Um, I just wanted to kind of bring that full circle because it sums it up so well. We need to listen to this. Amen. It's amazing to think about. Um, A Jewish carpenter uh, 2,000 years ago, by God's will, speaking these words that echo down through history. And here we are being transformed. Thousand years later, and so as Jesus sets this lesson in our lap, um, mine and Stephen, as we think about what we need to do, we also want to set this lesson in your lap. If there are things you need to change in your life, or you want help trying to make those changes, or you want more clarity on what you need to do to be a follower of Jesus, please reach out to us. Stephen's going to give our contact info as he always does here in just a second. But we want to connect with you. We we want to help you in your walk as you strive to be in this kingdom of God that Jesus has described. Because who wouldn't want to be in this kingdom? We want to help you with that. Um, And Lord willing, in our next season, season four, we are going to get into a book called Ephesians. Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, and likely it was circulated to much more than that. I mean, obviously we have it today. But it's going to give us a good overview as to what the blood of Jesus was for and its impact on people's lives then and how it impacts people's lives now. It gives a really good overview of that. So Lord willing, we'll get into that next week. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying what you hear on the podcast, uh, leave us a rating or a review, subscribe. Um, And if you'd like to study more, like Chase talked about, uh, 717-585-0949, text us, call us, or email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information, check out capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.